All right. Hi, everyone. Anna Shergunina is here, and welcome back to the Money Boss Summit. In this particular interview, we're going to talk about flipping houses. This is a very interesting topic that's been on my mind for quite some time, and going through all of us at the same time um, through this COVID pandemic and looking at what people actually um, want to do with where they live, how they live, and where they spend time, I found a very interesting uh, person who can talk about this topic at the very, um, at the very extensive um, length. Uh, our guest today is Bill Allen. Welcome, Bill. Hey, Anna. How are you? Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you here. I'm going to give a little bit of a background introduction to you, and then I'm going to get into like really um, for you to, to tell our listeners today as to is flipping houses still um, something that people should consider, and particularly when we have our day jobs, we have families to run, and there's just so much to do. Um, is it still possible, or is it really still more of a TV show that you get to watch on HGTV, and it all is like you know a fantasy? So, but um, Bill Allen is a Navy pilot and a real estate professional. He's also a CEO and the owner of Seven Figure Flipping and the host of a Seven Figure Flipping podcast where he leads the top house flipping and wholesaling mentoring group in the world. Just a few years ago, Bill was stuck flipping one or two houses per year and doing all of the work himself. But then he built a systematized business that now runs without him. His wholesaling and flipping company, Blackjack Real Estate, is based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and does upwards of 200 deals a year throughout Southeast with a staff of 15 people. So this is very impressive, Bill, what you've done. Um, we're all ears, so take it away. All right, I, so I realize that there's, like getting to 200 houses a year, like renovating and reselling, or like we do a mix of lots of different things with these houses of those 200 to make money. And get from never doing a deal to that is, is impossible. You just can't wrap your mind around it on a summit like this, right? But to think about, could I flip one house? And that's, that's it. The zero to one is kind of what I want to focus on today because it was just, it was like five years ago that I was, I was flying for the military full time and I was working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day flying for them Monday through Friday. And one weekend a month, I'd have to go like leave the area and fly the students around. And I was able to flip one house a year consistently for a couple of years. And so it's absolutely doable. The next step that I had was I went from doing one house a year and then the next year I did 67 houses and I was still flying full-time for the military. So it's just a little bit of shift in my, my way of thinking and understanding the real estate game and what's possible and how to leverage other people's time and capacity to allow me to do that. So for about three years, three to four years, I was flipping houses while I still was flying for the military full-time with a full-time W-2 job that was very demanding. I had to be focused when you're flying in the, in the airplane, you can't, you can't be on your phone, you can't be messing, you can't be answering emails and stuff. So it wasn't like I was sitting in an office uh, responding to emails. I was truly like, not available during that time. And so, and I also moved around a lot. So a lot of people say, well, you know, it takes a long time to understand the market and get to know all these things. So all of those things that you're probably thinking right now are just excuses not to take a little bit of action. So, um, I, I guess, I guess for me, what the first thing that I want to share with, with everyone is, is why real estate? Because we're in this time of let's pick our asset class that is going to help us. And uh, let, let's understand a little bit why you might want to pick real estate and why I did, because I was a, I was an investor in the stock market. I was an index fund investor. I saved 55% of my income 
And I just decided I'm going to live on less than I make. I'm going to save money. And eventually I'm going to become a millionaire. That was my goal. And I, I feel like real estate in that world was a little bit, um, it was a little bit, it was looked down upon a little bit. Like this is a little bit risky and all this stuff, just invest in, in the stock market and index funds. So what, what happened for me, the catalyst for me of why real estate is I got married. We were, got you know, I realized that I had to focus on somebody else and I wanted to accelerate my net worth growth. I wanted to get to the point where I didn't have to work. You know, I wanted to become financially free in my forties. And so I looked at a lot of other people that were millionaires and billionaires. Like what, what do they do to make money? Like where, where are their assets? What are they doing? So the first step in anybody making money that I see is there's, there's an active income bucket, which Probably everybody watching this has that, right? You got this W-2 job. But then the second piece is there's not just this active income bucket, but you start accumulating assets. And so that second piece, you start accumulating assets and it might be buying, a, buying a, a house or it might be buying gold or silver or stocks or bonds or whatever it is for you. And then the third piece is you've got some passive income, right? You've got some money that is coming in while you're sleeping. And that could be in the form of dividends or something like that. But what I really love about real estate is there's never any really net zero of this, of this property. Like this property, like if you use um, Apple or Home Depot or Lowe's or a big company and something happens to the company, that piece of paper and stock certificate that you have could potentially go to zero. It's a possibility, right? It's probably a little bit far-fetched, but I mean, I could use a lot of examples of companies that went under that you had no idea that they were going to go under, right? And so what I love about real estate is that there's never any real net zero of this, of this asset. There's, there's some land, there's a house that it could burn down or be wiped away by a hurricane or something like that. We have insurance for that. There, but that piece of land, that property, that area, that has something, right? And so that's what I really loved about it. And about like 80 or 90% of the nation's millionaires either made it in real estate or have real estate holdings that they use. So when I looked at that, I said, okay, this is what successful people do. So now that's kind of the area that I want to go. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of background of why real estate and that active income. I look at that as I have, I'm trading time for money, but the passive income potential inside of real estate is so powerful in, um, you know, rental properties in multifamily buildings in even, even uh, lending, lending money to other real estate investors like myself, there's a lot of opportunities there. So, that's, I basically make active income. That's what we're gonna talk about, flipping houses to excel. You can grow your active income by flipping. And then I take it and I put it into passive assets like apartment buildings or storage units or rental homes and things like that, that eventually uh, I can make enough money while I'm sleeping that maybe I can turn off the active bucket if I wanted to. You know? And I think that's the goal for everybody, right? We're building our IRAs, our 401ks, our retirement accounts, HSAs, uh, educational savings accounts, all these things. And, um, but we want to get to a point where we're, we're wealthy. And I think to define my def definition of wealthy is like, um, it wouldn't change anything that I do if another hundred thousand dollars hits my bank account every month. Like I do what I want to do, not because I have to do it. So I, I realize it's a lot of theory that we're talking about right now for you guys, but hopefully that's the mindset that you're showing up with today when you're looking at all of these different potential avenues to make money. So I guess, I don't know, Anna, do you want to go to a place of like, the, the first question that people ask is like, is it possible to flip houses with a full-time job or something? Does that work? I, yeah, I definitely uh, start there. And I, um, our 
a lot of our you know discussion on the summit is definitely focused on the mindset and it's it's really um, I think it's really the first step in really becoming successful in any area of our life so I really love the the examples that you gave but yeah we can definitely start on that very first question everyone has in mind when they hear about okay can I is house flipping even for me yeah I don't want to gloss over mindset because it really is like that when you hit a wall and I see it in real estate investors all the time. I coach hundreds of real estate investors every year. And when they hit a wall, they have a choice to climb over it or turn around and walk away. And when you don't have this deeply, deeply rooted why, you don't understand what you're doing or if it's plan B or C or D or even F, like when you get to that point, it's just like, I'm just gonna go back to my full-time job. And like we celebrate when people leave their jobs and go become full-time real estate investors in my group. We, we have this huge like award and there's a big party and that doesn't happen everywhere else. Your family looks at you and goes, like, you're crazy. You want to be a real estate investor? I know my, mine did. So the mindset piece of that to really like, to really understand it, understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's what will give you the grit to push through when it gets really challenging and it will get challenging. Everything does, right? Life is, is, is hard. Uh, and like you mentioned, COVID-19 and all this stuff, like there was just a lot of challenges that I hit in March and April in my business to try to figure out what to do. So, um, so it is absolutely possible to flip houses on the side during, um, when, when you have a full-time job. Um, I will say that there's probably two things that you need to have. You need to either need to have some time or some money. And so if somebody tells you that you don't need time or money to do this, they're probably, um, selling you something that you shouldn't buy. Okay. So if you have some time and I didn't really have a lot of time, right? I told you it was 10 to 12 hours a day and, um, and weekends. What I, what I did, I had some time, like I knew I had to make a commitment to this. So I worked about two hours in the morning. So I get up early, I get up at five 30 or 6am and I would work for, sometimes I get up at four 30 or five and I work till my son got up at seven and, um, I'd work two hour and a half, two hours in the office, uh, get prepped for the day. I'd have breakfast with my family, I'd go to work, and then after work, I would come home, I'd play with my son, I'd talk, you know, have dinner with my family, put my son to bed, and then I'd be back in the office for two hours. So I basically told my wife that I wanna get this business up and going, and it is gonna be like I'm working, uh, you know, a, a full-time job and a half in the beginning, but um, we're gonna get to a place very quickly, I hope, that I'll be able to, to leave my full-time job or back, back, back out of this real estate business and ha have some people that are helping me. So. Um, and I, ha I had some money. I had a little bit of money. And, but the cool thing about flipping houses is you can flip houses with no money, with absolutely none. You, you just need to have access to other people's money. And that is a huge mindset shift uh, in the beginning too, of um, you know, finding, finding good contractors, finding people that can do the work, and finding opportunities. That's where you would spend a little bit of the time that you have and you can raise, other, raise money from other people. We have, I've probably raised over $15 million in my last couple of years, four or five years in this business to do deals, whether they're multifamily deals or single family deals that we do. We actively manage like $2 million of other people's money in my single family business right now, along with a lot of mine. It gets funneled and, and moved through there. And, um, and they make great returns and they love it. And we can fund 110% of the project where we actually have some reserves in case anything goes wrong, we actually don't ever come out of pocket for anything that we do. Um, just, just think about it. If somebody's got their money in a bank account at 1% and you can give them 6 or 7% interest and it's attached to an asset, a hard asset like a mortgage um, or a deed of trust on a property, then they're pretty happy with that, you know, making those kind of returns. And so we have other people's money anywhere from 5% to 10%. 
and they make great returns and they love being a part of the HGTV like Anna talked about. You know, we do all the work and they, they provide the money. So when I got started in this business, I didn't have enough money to flip houses. So I had a, a guy in California that had a couple million dollars and he knew that I was a good operator. I could find deals. I could manage the contractors and I could manage the scope of work and the budget and the timeline. And so he provided all the money for everything that we did. I did all the, I did the work. I managed the contractors, found the deals in my area. And then we split the profits 50, 50. And so he didn't do anything. You, I mean, you might be that guy or gal, right? That just has a couple million dollars and wants to find somebody like me who will do all the work and split the profits. So that guy was telling his friends that he was flipping houses, right? He's part of the deal. We're partners on that. And then I'm the one doing the work, but he's bringing the money. So it's a win-win situation. Or you could be somebody like me who is going to take a little bit of that extra time outside of your job and find properties and renovate them and resell them. So um, the HGTV side of things is interesting. It's definitely has uh, made it a lot more popular in flipping houses and, and investing in real estate. But what it has done is it's made it a little bit more legitimate in what we do. And so I really like that. I, I like the fact that it's brought in a lot of other potential investors who have seen it as a more of a legitimized business. And we're actually, we're actually helping a lot of people. I mean, we're taking a house that's beat up and nasty and disgusting and run down. It might be, might, might be drugs in there. There might be um, really unkept uh, lawns and, and damaged house in a really nice neighborhood. We're fixing it up and we're actually providing that, that house to an, another family. And so the neighbors love us. The buyer loves us. The seller is usually in some sort of distress, which we absolutely need to get into. Um, at some point of this different world outside of real estate agents and uh, like active listings. And, um, and so it's, we're providing a, a great service to a lot of people. And we only do, we only actually handle like three to 5% of the, of the sales that happen in your community as somebody like me. Everything else goes through real estate agents and on the market, but we deal off the market in the distressed world, which is like this underworld of real estate that a lot of people don't know about. So you can do it. Like you can do it if you have a full-time job. I'm, I'm proof of it. Now I didn't go from doing, you know, no deals and doing 200 a year. I did one then I, and that was like, it was a year, you know, the first year I did one, the second year I did one. Then the next year I did 67. It was a huge leap, That's but I was able to kind of hire out. Yeah, it's a big jump, but um, I would just recommend you start with, start with that first one. Like I see a lot of people get stuck. They just, they're afraid to lose money. They're afraid to take action. They're afraid to do something. And yeah, totally can be done. Um, and that once you do that first deal, everyone after that becomes easy. That transition from zero to one, that's, the, that's kind of the hardest area to do. Are there any uh, groups or associations, like when somebody finally decides, okay, this is me, I'm, I'm going to do it, I'm interested, and I have, maybe I have a little bit of money, but I have more time. Like, where do you, where do you apply yourself? Like, who do you talk to? How do you get these people, you know, to, to partner up with? Are there- So if you- yeah, a great place to start is in your local area. So you can go to a real estate investment club. So there's a lot of meetings. There's people that run meetings and um, feel out kind of what it is. A lot of times your local meeting, there's a couple, there's a couple different options. One is it's a networking area. It's somebody who puts it together and, um, you know, people are sharing deals and money and contractors and those kind of things and networking together. And it's not really for profit, like a ton of profit. And then there's other kinds where, they bring in a speaker and they do an upsell weekend seminar and then they're selling you the next product and the next product. So I would just caution you to be careful in who you work with and be a little skeptical of when you show up to a local uh, event like that, 
where they are selling you multiple uh, products and things that are like done for you. I see a lot of people, especially like the folks that are probably watching this, um, this summit and are on the summit, you're, you're definitely a target for some of the people who are just not the most ethical people. Like my business, Seven Figure Flipping, we are trying to put those companies out of business. Like the people that are bringing you, like they're, they're luring you in with a celebrity from TV. They're pitching you like a free weekend or a free event for a day, then the weekend, it costs 1500 bucks. And then the next thing is 30,000 or 50,000. Like our products, we, I will not sell something that's expensive to somebody who has no experience. Like we have, we have like beginner areas and, and other places, but a local real estate club is usually free. I pay $17 a month for mine that I, that I attend. And it's, it's great. You'll meet local people doing local deals. It's a great place to start. There's a lot of, also a lot of Facebook groups. Like we have a Facebook group called Seven Figure uh, House Flipping and Wholesaling. And that Facebook group is a great place to ask beginner questions, network with some people, and it's all around the country. So wherever you are, there's definitely a meetup. There's a, a networking area. There's things like that. So those kind of resources are a great place to start. And that's, that's where you can find partners. You can find contractors. You can find deals. You can find um, lenders, all kinds of stuff in there. If, you're, if you want to lend money, it's a great place to lend money locally. Um, to find. So my, the, the key in all of this is to, is to invest in the person, not the numbers that they're showing you. So I've been, I, I, I lend money. I lend my own money to other flippers. And the times that I've lost money, I haven't invested in the person. I invest in the project. I was looking at the project, looking at these big returns. And the person was, I just didn't know him well enough. And I thought it would be okay. And so any time that I've lost money on deals, it's usually because I haven't, um, I, I didn't invest with somebody I know, like, and trust. So start there. That's my recommendation for everybody. Sounds good. Now, my next question comes to mind. I live in, in, in one of the most, you know, highly populated and very expensive area. Uh, a median home price is probably a million, two, million, three plus, right? Just even not a median, like a starter, a decent starter home. So if somebody was thinking about this to say, okay, wow. Um, what, what would be the sort of beginning capital that I need to uh, put together? Let's say I had time, like I found the time that you were talking about. For example, I have time in the morning before uh, my son gets up and I can do, you know, an hour in the evening. How do you, how do you get your hands on money? I think that's the, probably the biggest question you've wanted uh, or the biggest hurdle you um, overcame in your uh, beginning. Yeah, the, so the, the money side of, of things, let, let's first touch on the fact that it's a really expensive area that you live in. And um, I, I'll say what you need to understand is you have to buy the opportunity right. So that doesn't mean go talk to a real estate agent and look at a bunch of houses that are on the market and there's really skinny margins and a lot of risk, right? You have to find the opportunity and make sure it's right. So I tell people a lot in, in my business, if I move to like the, the median home price that you just mentioned, is 10 times the median home price of most of the cities that I flip in. And it doesn't mean that you can't do it in an expensive area. I have a client in San Francisco. I have a client in San Diego. I have uh, multiple clients in, in Arizona, Washington, DC, New York City, like all of these places that are really expensive. And they're just, they're really good. They focus on those expensive properties and they know them. They, you know, they've, they've really run their numbers right. They keep a, a margin in there for some, some things that might come up. Um, and I have tried to flip really expensive houses in my area that doesn't have a median home price of 1.2 million. It's 150,000. And I was trying to flip $700,000 houses there. 
And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I ever made in my, in like the last few years for me, because, you know, we can make more money, but you can also lose more money. And like the, the median home price, wherever you are, is where you want to stick. So if the median home price is 1.2 million, I probably wouldn't be flipping houses that are five or $6 million. I'd be flipping houses that are $1.2 million or $1 million. Where is the most demand? It's a supply and demand equation, just like anything else. Where's the most demand for houses in your market? So if your median home price is 1.2 million, I bet there's a really high demand for $1 million houses. Like they're probably, you have one of those that comes on the market. There's probably 50 people that want to see it the first day. You have multiple offers. But if you got an eight or $10 million property, it's probably the number of eyes that are on that renovated house become a lot smaller. And they could be more picky because those houses sit on the market a little bit longer. So you have to kind of think about how the market reacts and, and, and exchanges uh, over time. So I had to realize this the hard way. I lost $70,000 on an expensive house when I, I should have just stuck in my you know, $125,000 to $250,000 range that I was doing before and be fine with the singles and doubles and not have to hit a home run all the time. So that's my advice to a lot of you. And then also, if you're in a really expensive market, you could go to a cheaper market. I know a lot of people that live in San Diego, but invest uh, in, the, in the valley or um, over in, um, uh, in the desert and places like that. Or you might live in Phoenix and you might invest you know, two and a half, three hours out of town where it's a little bit cheaper, a little bit more affordable. But to find the money, like the, the money, the money is always people's pushback and it's the problem. Like there's more money than there is opportunities. So I would be more focused on finding the deals. If you found a really good deal, you could easily find somebody like the, the guy that I knew or my, 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 best, my best advice to somebody who's just getting started is the people that are gonna fund you are the people that know, like, and trust you already. Like they believe in you and they're gonna invest in you, not your experience. So what is your track record in life? Like how are you in business? How are you at managing projects at work? Um, how do you, like the people that know, like, and trust you, friends and family, that's the first place to start. And it's also the cheapest money. There, there's other options with hard money lenders and uh, institutional type uh, lenders that will lend on a new investor project. Um, it'll, it'll be higher rates, but they can, get the, they can get it to you a lot faster. So we work with a lot of hard money lending companies, so bigger institutional type companies. So there's plenty of money out there that will invest with you. It's just looking at kind of the rates and the structure of what those deals look like. So my recommendation, like a, the tip that I have for you is if you want to get started in this business, start kind of networking with some people that have money. You'd be shocked at who has money. Like your, your cousin Joe, who worked uh, as a police officer, you have no idea that, they ha that, that he has $500,000 in his pension account. And, and when you can show him that you can, you can invest IRA and 401k money in real estate as a lender, and it just blows their mind. Most people don't know that you can do that because the stock people, the, the you know, financial uh, folks that, that run the stock market managers, they spend a lot of money on marketing for your IRA and 401k money. And so you can actually take a retirement account and invest in real estate as well. So um, a lot, I'd say of the 2 million that I have right now, probably about a million and a half is retirement folks, uh, IRAs, 401ks that people have that they've self-directed into real estate and then have lent to us as a business. And so they make their returns in their Roth or traditional IRAs and 401ks. So a lot of options. There's a lot of money out there. Um, hopefully those, are, I think the local networking areas, uh, talking to other, um, other investors, I, I raise a lot of money on social media. There are some SEC guidelines on, on raising money, obviously, of putting a security out there. 
But I just talk about what I do. And I talk about the returns that other investors get from us, past performance and things like that. And I've ra I raise a lot of money on, on social media with just people that know me. Well, we, we, we kind of have to be out there these days because the world has gone online <laughs> with the current events. And so what, do you, what are your thoughts around where we are today just in the whole business cycle and, and you know, with the market? As you were talking about, um, you know, the areas and it's, I mean, it's tough to think like, even for me, I don't know anything, you know, I, I've always understood that real estate is local or you need to understand the market, right? Like it's about the location. So I really like the idea of buying $150,000 homes and renovating them for 50,000 or, you know, or something like that and flipping them. How do you, how does one learn about, you know, the area that it's, it's not in their uh, backyard? And what about market conditions that we're in at the moment with the pandemic? So I think, you know, when you're looking at a certain area, um, I love to recommend to people is start with areas that you already know. It's like, where did you grow up? Where did you go to college? Where do you have a friend that might do this exact same thing? Um, where do you live right now? So if it's not where you live right now and you know it, because you kind of know what's going on. You know that Amazon fulfillment center that's getting built for, you know, a billion dollars right down the street from you or 80, 800 million or whatever it is, you know? you know that there's gonna be job influx and things like that. You also know that if you live in an area right now that has been hit hard by the coronavirus, that people are moving away from that area, right? So simple supply and demand equation again, but I use a lot of free sources. Like I use, um, I'll, I'll just, I'll Google um, different cities. I'll look at, um, I'll look at employment rate a lot of times. I'll look at um, like the income level. I'll look at the, the median home price type stuff. I'll look at a lot of data to determine what this looks like, how many jobs are coming in, how many jobs are coming out. Um, I'll talk to real estate agents. I'll just get on the phone and say, hey, how, what's, the, what's the average time on market in that city? Um, I'll talk to other investors. I'll just get on uh, some of these Facebook groups or some of these free forums online. And I'll just start asking questions. Like when I look at, I'm, I'm in a lot of satellite markets. I would, I build out a company in one city and then we would just put one person in another city and just go to another place and another place, another place. So we do this. I don't have an office. We're all virtual um, and we're all online. And um, right now it's, it's more about what do the fundamentals look like in that city? And then if you can look at the path of progress potentially, like what is the next place that's going to kind of blow up as a technology hub? Like Huntsville, Alabama has been blowing up as a, like a tech epicenter for a while and, uh, and uh, like science type um, structure. And uh, here in Nashville, Nashville blew up really big because of the healthcare. And, and everything that's happening here. And also, obviously, you've got uh, no, no state tax. You've got all these celebrities and actors and musicians moving here and things like that. So when you look at those kind of things, you can start to see that there's going to be a potential upswing or demand, right? We had, when I moved here five, four years ago, there was 101 people moving here a day, like moving here to Nashville. And so, they, so if you looked and you, maybe you were living in I, I, hopefully nobody's watching this from like Flint, Michigan, but maybe you're in Flint, Michigan, right? And, and you see that 50 people are moving away from your city per day, or you're in Detroit, maybe. Detroit had this massive like exodus, right? And people leaving and the city kind of collapsing in, in, in Chicago. Chicago's seeing some of that right now. So just understanding those things when you start reading the paper and reading the news and looking at that, start thinking about how that could affect the real estate economy, you know? Um, right now, the coronavirus is interesting that you asked about that because what I saw in, in April was that we're just going to hit a pause button. Like I looked at it like a pause button, like September 11th. I, I compared it more to September 11th at the time that I did 2008 uh, real estate crash. 
And in 2008, the crash was led by the banking industry, like the financial crisis, the mortgage industry primarily crashed the, the housing market, right? And the housing market led us into that. And so it was like the first one in and the last one out. And in this coronavirus time, I was like, this, okay, this is something else is going on. It's more of a uh, people losing their jobs and finances and the stock market tanking and things. So the, the housing market was like the last one in and we still haven't really gone in. And the reason for that is because real estate agents are seeing the pressure. Real estate agents are like, I don't have as many listings as I had before because people don't want to sell their house. Well, ask yourself this, has the demand for housing changed? Like a little bit, I would say it probably did go down. I think it you know, People just don't, don't want to move, right? They don't want to move around, but it didn't go down nearly as much. And like people still have to move. They still have to, uh, their jobs change. They, they want to move to a different school district. They want all of this stuff still like that. And there's still a massive housing crisis and shortage in our country. So we can't, we can't negate that. It can't just go away just because people are not selling their house now and people don't want to move. Like the housing shortage is still there. Like we're still having babies. We're still growing our family. And even in this coronavirus time, think about this. Everybody left their offices to go home and their home was their fortress, right? So when you go home and now you're all stuck at home, you're looking around going, this house is too small. Like we need an office now. We don't have an office. We need a, I'm tired of the baby sleeping in our room. Like we need to expand. We need to grow. We need to get, or maybe we want to leave the city and go out in the country. Maybe we don't like the fact that our neighbors are right here and all this stuff. Now we want to go somewhere else. So I, I still feel like if anything, this like demand to move and, and, and expand kind of went up a little bit. So for every house that goes off the market, that gets sold right now in most cities, every city is different. Like you said, real estate's local. About in most, in all of our cities, about a half a house replaces it. So when a half a house goes on the market and one house comes off the market, we get a shortage in housing, right? And we were already in a housing shortage. So right now the prices are through the roof. The demand is really high. We can't, if we have a house that's, if I had a hundred more houses in my, all my cities, I'd be so much happier. And they're fixed up. They're also vacant. They can be shown really easily. There's not the concern of who lives there. Is, is there a virus in the house and stuff like that, right? And we can show it and we can, uh, we, can, we can close really fast. We don't have to deal with people moving out. So there's a lot of things happening right, that's right now, like as we're recording and, and watch, you're watching this right now, right? You're watching this now. So what's going to happen in the future? Well, is in, in the real estate side, you have to think is what is Congress going to do? What's the president going to do? What's, what's going to happen with all this? Like, are they going to continue to bail us out with our own money? right? Or are we going to get into a deeper depression? Are people going to continue to not have jobs? Like, I feel like we're kind of like nobody, some people, some people that are here with us are, have been affected directly by this, but most people just don't realize the effect that's happening right now. And it's, it's just like, we're kicking it down the road to some point. And so I think that the housing market will cool off a little bit. Once we start seeing foreclosures, distress sales, things like that, the housing market is going to start dropping a little bit. But you can make money in any market. You can make market in an up market and a down market if you know what you're doing. So when, when the foreclosures come on the market, that's good for you. You're just getting started, right? You can get a foreclosure. You can look for properties. There's opportunity that happens. And it's just all about running your numbers and making sure that they work. And think about it. If you think about all of this stuff as supply and demand, then you'll, you'll be able to analyze your market. You'll be able to analyze where we're going and what's happening. So that's what I do. I just look at supply and demand. And I try, as a flipper, try to get in and out of your properties as fast as possible. Don't go do a 10 month renovation because you don't know what's going to happen a year from now. Like get in and out in a month, get in and out in six weeks, pick a project that doesn't need a ton of work. It's more of a lipstick, like paint and carpet type renovation project and put it back on the market vacant, fixed up and with a nice, nice staging in it. And next thing you know, the price is getting bid up because 
There's no other houses on the market. So um, I, I think that's where we are right now, and that's probably where we're going. We'll see a, a cool off a little bit. Um, but I, I think we'll see a further decline once we realize everybody, like the masses actually realize what's happening. And so I'm just kind of waiting for that. Like it's, right now, it's business as usual. Um, we're not building in huge, if anything, we're, we're building in a little bit lower purchase price and we're selling it for more. So we're actually making bigger margins right now. There's just a lot less inventory out there. So, yeah, we're seeing the same thing um, in, in this area as well. Just, uh, just because a lot of people, like you said, want to have a place to live and they need a bigger backyard because they're just, it's just too tight. Um, well, for this, for this interview that we have um, going, I wanted to close with asking you a question that um, is, it's always on everyone's mind. Okay, Bill, it's easy for you. You've done it now. But it, what is the one or two big mistakes you've made that um, you want to help people avoid? Well, I mentioned one, and it was, um, it was like going way above the median home price in your area and flipping these like million-dollar houses for, for me. And if, if you're in a really expensive market, it might be like 10 times the just stick around the first and second time home buyers in your area. That's the biggest demand you will, you'll make, you'll, you'll, you might not make, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on your first deal. Um, but you're hit, hit those double first uh, singles and doubles all, all day. You'll be fine. And, um, the, the next one is like, get out there and take, take action. Like, don't be afraid to go, uh, break even. Like it, it's a lot of people don't get started because they're like, ah, you know, I, I need to guarantee a win. Like I need to guarantee a $40,000 profit or $50,000 or $100,000 profit on my first deal. I just don't feel comfortable with this one. I'm going to look at the next one. I'm going to look at the next one. I was fortunate enough to make $43,000 on my first one, $45,000 on my second one. But looking back, even if I broke even or made $10,000, it was the best education that I possibly could have gotten. Where a lot of people on this, are, and myself included, are probably formally educated to the, to the max. Like we've been college, graduate school, master's degrees, uh, MBAs, all kinds of stuff, right? And we paid a ton of money for our formal education, but we don't spend any money on our, our, our like self-education, the like, building of who we are. Yeah. Like, um, and, and we look at it as an, as an expense instead of an investment in ourselves. And if anything, my college degrees were an expense. Like this is an investment. I spent $25,000. The reason I went from one deal to 67 deals is I spent $25,000 on my, my self-education. I invested in myself to learn what other people are doing at a very high level and it allowed me to get to that next place. I just copied what they were doing. Like, don't reinvent the wheel. So some mistakes that I made, like it's, it's hard, like really focus. In the beginning, I was unfocused. So if focus on something, it, once you start getting into the real estate world, there's all kinds of things that you can do. You can be a lender, you can flip land, you can, um, you can be a, a, a rental, like a landlord, you know, and you can do apartment buildings, you can be a wholesaler where you just put something under contract and resell it to somebody else and make a fee in the middle. Um, you can be an agent. You can do all of this stuff. But if you just focus on one thing that you're really interested in, like think about who you are and what you're really good at. And then what's that one thing that you can focus on and where you can go? That's the key. I was, I was doing land. I was doing hard money loans. I was buying at auction. I, was, I was, had rentals. I was doing it all. And typically like one would do really well and the other one would lose some money and it would kind of offset. And next thing I know, I'm just kind of back to square one, just working hard for nothing. So focus and, and stick around that, that median home price if you want to flip. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. How would um, our listeners connect with you if they wanted to uh, get into your world and, and learn about what you're doing? Yeah. So I, I have a podcast. It's called Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. Um, and then uh, we have an event called Flip Hacking Live every year that I love to put on. And um, 
And you can see there's some information on that on our website, sevenfigureflipping.com. But hey, before we go, I do want to say something like there's, we talked about raising money. We talked about all this stuff. There is a way to do these deals without having any money, like no money. And it's creative financing. You can actually have a seller hold a note. So they actually, they own the house cash. You can have them hold the mortgage for you without you having to come out of pocket at all. And they also might have a mortgage where you can just take over their mortgage and make their payments for them while you flip the house. And I've done this a ton of times. It's called creative financing in the real estate world. And I know that we're going to, we have some really cool bonuses for you guys if you are kind of on the all access pass. And I think Anna, you've got some other uh, recordings that we're going to do for the all access pass members. That's kind of exclusive. So um, I, I highly recommend that. It's uh, really, really exciting stuff. And I know that we're going to dig into that there. So this is something that changed everything for me. It allowed me to buy probably 30% more houses than we buy right now and, and not have any of my own money out of my pocket. So really cool stuff. Most definitely, yes. And if you haven't upgraded to your All Access Pass, this is the time to do it because you don't want to miss what Bill is going to share with you, with us. But um, thanks so much again for joining us here today. Uh, and uh, have a good day.